the hurling as he said he, how much he hated Cork as well this fella just seems to hate everybody right so this is why I haven't joined the podcast just yet I think I might leave it off we might get a bit heated subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts off the ball daily let's now though uh, just cross codes as it were and talk to about uh, tennis which starts on Monday at Wimbledon uh, the men's and ladies' singles, and it's always a great pleasure to speak to the former Irish tennis pro, Connor Nyland. Connor, how are you? Hi, John. How are you? So, Wimbledon's upon a strawberries and cream and all that kind of jazz and great television. A tournament you played in back in 2011. Most of us know Wimbledon from just the television, but what is it like as being a very rare Irishman to play at the uh, All England Club? Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool couple of days for me. Obviously, I had to qualify, so qualifying is in a different site in Roehampton, uh, which is a bit more rough and ready than the uh, SW19, the main site. Um, but yeah, incredible. And obviously being so close to home, we were able to get a load of Irish over to support. So it was a great atmosphere that day. Um, nearly got the win. It would have been nice to get on centre against Federer. Um, but that didn't happen. But um, but no, great memories. And uh, I'll be going over there next, uh, next weekend for a look, as I always do. Can't wait. So you're going to one of the the middle is the middle of the tournament you're going to yeah middle saturday yeah so it's usually a third round so it's a great atmosphere you've still got um the buzz of that first week where there's just a load of people on site there's loads of matches on the outside courts um but then you've got some pretty good matchups usually on the main courts as well so yeah gonna go fly over friday night so yeah can't wait good stuff how does grass differ then as a surface to play on connor maybe as opposed to a hard course or a clay court yeah, I suppose it's more of a novelty. Um, most players haven't grown up on it. Um, a lot of the top juniors in the world will get a chance to play junior Wimbledon. They might play a warm-up event the week before. Um, but it's such a short season. I wish it was a bit longer, the grass court season. It's just fine. It's always a little bit... It's always nice to watch grass court tennis. Um, so I think that's why you often see guys um, like a Medvedev or a Rune, uh, even a Tsitsipas, who are, say, contenders at the three other slams. Um, but often can't put a run together at Wimbledon. Um, so the guys that are comfortable on it, like a Djokovic, a Federer, um, are able to sort of put these runs together of seven, eight, nine slam uh, wins. So um, that's why Djokovic is, is number two seed at this event, behind Alcaraz as number one seed, but probably the favourite, with Alcaraz not having had that experience under his belt. But I actually saw Alcaraz live at Queen's uh, last week, where he won that uh, that event and uh, he looked like he's getting more comfortable and he's the type of talent where he's um, you know, almost match on match or week on week is getting better and better. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, is he quite at that level where he could challenge Djokovic yet? But I certainly see that over the next couple of years, him getting pretty pretty comfortable on the grass. So he's won the US Open, Alcaraz. He's going to be the king, it seems. But it's just when he's going to be the king is the question. Yeah, I thought he was head and shoulders above the guys I saw at Queen's last week. Holger Rune is already six in the world, 19. He's the same the same era, the same generation as, as Alcaraz, but definitely I think a little bit off in terms of level. Uh, guys like Sebastian Corda, Alex de Menor, Cameron Nari. Um, yeah, I, I felt like Alcaraz was a totally different, uh, a different level. And uh, yeah, he's he's got a long way to go though to catch um, that I had to a twenty plus slams. Um, but I think he could put together a, a pretty incredible career if he stays healthy. He's had a couple of uh, 
he's had a couple of issues, obviously, at the French Open with the cramp against Djokovic, which was really surprising. He missed Australia this year uh, with an injury as well. So either that's just him getting used to the tour and how many matches he's winning at his young age. Maybe it's his body sort of reacting a little bit. Um, but that's probably the only thing that might uh, that might affect it by, uh, over the next few years. Is it between Djokovic and Alcaraz then to win the men's at Wimbledon this year, you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, as I said, Tsitsipas has had a, um, an iffy kind of warm-up, two couple of warm-up events. Medvedev isn't really there. Rublev has, had a, and, uh, has had, made a final a couple of weeks ago, but I just don't see it when push comes to shove. Um, him toppling, a, say, a Djokovic, who's obviously going for... He's in the running for a calendar Grand Slam. He's a chance to put some daylight between him and Nadal on the overall Slam tally to go from 23 to 24. Nadal looks like maybe his race is run in terms of what he can put on the 22 that he already has. Um, so he's going to be incredibly motivated and he's he's going to be very dialed in, I would have thought. So um, it's hard to look past Djokovic, really. Um, but yeah, interesting to see how much Alcaraz can kind of close that gap in terms of how comfortable he is on the grass. So Djokovic has got 23 Grand Slams now, as you say, going for the calendar year because Federer's gone, he's retired. Nadal is effectively retired. Murray's gone. I know he's playing, but he's gone. Um, any sign of Djokovic slowing down? Yeah, he looks great. Um, it's 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 amazing. Um, he, he obviously is, is doing what Federer was, was doing towards the end of his career where he's only really kind of almost turning up for the slams. Like he hasn't played an official event since he won the French. He's been playing an exhibition in London this week. Um, so he's able to peak um, when he wants, and he's so experienced, I suppose, and his level is, hasn't dropped off yet. So he's got this lovely balance where he's been in every situation you could think of, um, a ridiculous number of, say, Grand Slam semifinals experience to draw on whenever he gets in that situation. Um, so, yeah, it just looks like he's got at least a couple more years where he's playing at this really, really um, elite level before he you would assume, starts to drop off at sort of 39. Um, but, yeah, he's also been sort of looked after himself so well. He's, yeah, he's just, he's putting it together. Um, and, and, and I don't see him slowing down for the next couple of years. He, he seems to be pretty much at full tilt still. So on the numbers, he's the most successful player of all time in men's tennis. Was he the greatest? Do you even like that argument anymore? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I was kind of hoping they'd all finish at, say, 21 slams. Um, but, um, yeah, great greatest is a, is, a, is a different type of a word. But I think best is it's hard to look past Djokovic. Um, I'm pretty sure any way you slice it, he's got, um, I think, most year-end number ones, most Master Series titles. I think Federer has a few more ATP titles than him. Um but again, that's partly due to Djokovic sort of starting to just target the slams. Um, but yeah, really hard to look past him. And to say he's probably got his eye half on Margaret Court's 24 Grand Slam record, which Serena could never catch, and uh, and try and obviously get to that number at Wimbledon. And who knows, maybe win a calendar yeah. slam, which hasn't happened in tennis since, since Graf in 88. So that would really underline it. Yeah, I think it's a degree of subjectivity around it. It's almost like asking, well, who's the better golfer, Woods or Nicholas? Nicholas has more majors, but is Woods a better golfer? He's got more majors than Federer, but in a lot of people, I think, would maybe think that Federer is still the greatest they've ever seen. Uh, the women's tournament, Iga Swiatek, they won the French Open, a former Wimbledon junior champion. Is she the one to beat? Um, yeah, probably. Um, she's 
she's the best tennis player, uh, women's tennis player in the world, um, and has been now for for twelve to eighteen months. Uh, hasn't really ever put it together at Wimbledon again. A little bit going back to what we were talking about uh, at the start, towards the start of the career of a career. It's it's hard to do it though. She did win junior Wimbledon. Um, but uh, she did pull out of, a, of, a, of an event last week. I don't know if it was more precautionary or not with illness. Um, but yeah, I would have thought she's uh, she's the favourite. Um, Petra Kvitova is probably one that will be will be interesting to see. She's obviously won it, uh, won, won the tournament a couple of times. She's thirty three now, but she's put together a pretty good season. Like she won Miami, um, she won a tournament in Berlin on grass uh, last week. Uh, so she is somebody who's always been really dangerous on grass, and I say has that experience. So potentially somebody to to look out for as as as, as sort of a potential to to maybe sneak it. We're kind of waiting for Coco Gauff, aren't we? She's nineteen now, but she's maybe seen by lots of people as the next big thing. Is she yet? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it, it, so it was, when she came onto the scene at fifteen, you think, well, obviously she's trending towards being a Grand Slam champion at eighteen or so, and it hasn't quite happened. Um, sort of in contrast to, say, Raducanu, who came out of completely nowhere and went and won one, and has now uh, obviously had all sorts of injuries and, and issues and, and changing coaches, and just hasn't seemed to got gotten very settled over the last couple of years. So. Yeah, Goff, I would have liked to have seen her win one by now or certainly in the next year or so. Otherwise, you feel like maybe she's not quite going to um, to be able to dominate. But I think Sviatek's been, she's put together some unbelievable numbers over the last couple of years. This has obviously affected it. Um, yeah, Goff's kind of run and ability to win one. Um, so, uh, yeah, but she plays well on grass. Obviously, that was her breakout at Wimbledon a few years ago. So, um yeah, hopefully it'd be nice to see it. It's interesting also to see Caroline Wozniacki announced that she's coming back to the tour. Um, she announced it a couple of days ago. She's not going to be at Wimbledon, I don't think, but uh, it's nice to see that sort of another big name coming back on the tour. Obviously, we've lost Serena. That's still in a bit of a transition phase out of um, the Serena era. So I think a recognisable name in the women's draws of the next year or so would be uh, would be nice to see. Yeah, there's issues over Russia and Belarus obviously swirling around the tournament. Uh, questions at press conferences defending champion uh, Elena Rybakina, who now represents Kazakhstan, originally Russian, obviously, uh, and Belarusian Arena Sabalenka. They won't be enthused about answering those questions. I expect they just want to play, but um, are they strong contenders? Yeah, they both are. Um, Rybakina's had an illness since going back to the French, um, so has... You know, I would probably put her as a as a as a as a potential favourite. It just doesn't seem like she's fully healthy going into this. It'd be interesting to see Sabalenka as well. Like nobody hits the ball better than her. Um, I think yeah, with Sabalenka again, I would put her as an app. She's obviously she's number two seed. I would put her as an absolute contender. It's just again how she handles the occasion. Um, sometimes she can, uh, uh, yeah. The really, really big occasions. Obviously, she's a Grand Slam champion now. The really, really big occasions. She tends, she tends to sometimes struggle to keep her, um, I suppose, her cool. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if she can, if she can sort of handle it. But um, I'd be saying Sviatek, I'd be saying keep an eye on Kvitova, but certainly Sabalenka is going to be there thereabouts as well. And are you still involved in captaining the Davis Cup team, Connor? Yes, we're uh, we're going to El Salvador in September. Um, wow. So we've had an interesting. Uh, schedule. We had Barbados last year, we had Peru in February and now El Salvador. So they've, the ITF have changed the Davis Cup format and we used to play in Europe or North Africa, but now it's it's really opened out. So 
going to some pretty exotic places. Um, so we've we've El Salvador away on hard in uh, in mid September. War stories, war stories, Connor. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Another another box tick. Another country visited. Very good. <laughs> so who are we calling it? Djokovic and uh, I'm going to say Djokovic and um, and Sviatek. Um, but uh, as I say, Sabalenka. Uh, and as and Alcaraz are absolutely there in the mix, and and Kvitova one to watch on the women's side as well. Connor Island, your legend. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, John. Thank you. Connor Island, there, Irish tennis legend, previewing Wimbledon, which begins on Monday at the All England Club. Always great TV.